uh, Know Your Place podcast. We are on episode 79, uh, if you can believe it or not. Uh, I've been on hiatus for a bit. Now I basically do this in a consulting fashion. No, I, I take requests and then I record is how I do it now because I'm just too darn busy. All right. It has started recording. Hello, everyone. Charles Altendorf here, and we're back at the Know Your Place podcast for episode 80. And on this week's episode, I'm bringing on a guest to talk about the uh, to talk about Washington D.C. and Ottawa, Canada. So, uh, say hello to the fans, Moses. Hey, folks. Uh, this is Moses here uh, from uh, Ottawa. Uh, it's the capital of Canada. I know, uh, considering how big the states are, uh, you might not know much about uh, Canada and Ottawa by extension. So I'm happy to answer a few uh, questions, go over a little bit of what the city is like uh, for for people. Uh, I, I live mainly in the suburban end of the city, but I travel a lot to downtown core uh, a bit. So, and I've seen a little bit of the rural side of Ottawa. So. I'm happy to answer these questions and uh, break some of the misconceptions that you see on social media. Awesome, awesome. So uh, yeah, uh, when you when you propose coming on, I'm actually uh, I actually knew a little bit about Ottawa before we had even met Moses. But I'll have to say, the first time I really got any uh, exposure to Ottawa was actually from listening to uh, the Toronto-based show, The Q. And it was unfortunately when they were talking about what happened with that uh, that terrorist guy that ran around there that time. So <laughs> that was a bad way to get introduction to Ottawa. But uh, since then, I have learned more about Ottawa. And uh, before I, I did a little research before the episode, and mm -hmm. I looked up Washington's D.C. metropolitan population, and it's mm -hmm. 6.3 million. And I believe Ottawa is actually a comparable size. Ironically. So here's the thing. Uh, Ottawa's, so the general population of Ottawa is about 950, we're looking at around 940 to 950,000. Um, but uh, if you add in the city of Gatineau, which is kind of, it's a weird situation because it's like uh, a whole nother province or like, or state, uh, but it's kind of usually a bit a part of Ottawa. It, Brings the population to about 1.4 million. So yeah, y'all are a little bit smaller than DC, but it's not like you're. Uh, it's not like um, you know, like uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of a capital that's relatively small in comparison to DC. Uh, I guess you could say somewhere like, um, well, ironically, Brasilia is not really that large, although it's getting bigger now, finally, but. You know, they did stick it in the middle of a jungle. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's cool. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess to lead off, is there any sort of lead things you want to want to really put out there about Ottawa? I can go into sort of uh, details about sort of what I think are the culture and similar things, but is there, you want to go there, first? You want me to go first? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right. So really, when when you talk about D.C. in America, uh, mm -hmm. first of all, it's the sixth largest metro in America. So it's a top 20 metro. 
And it, it's funny, one of our mutual friends that we're in a chat with was talking about what makes something a large metro in America. And I think D.C. really is the prime example of that because it has rapid transit and it has three international airports. So that's that's sort of where we're hitting this next level thing, right? And it has um, sort of a couple big-name colleges like George Washington University and Georgetown and American University. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's sort of like just sort of surface-level stuff. Does Ottawa have a lot of the same things in that regard? So Ottawa is a bit uh, – Ottawa is actually the sixth largest uh, metropolitan in Canada. Uh, if, if we combine Gatineau, um, if not uh, – if we don't, then – it's still fixed, uh, but what we're looking at is um, one point. It's a similar size. Uh, there's a few schools, and the fact that Ottawa is the capital of Canada and has its parliament uh, actually helps to distract uh, quite a few students, actually, who go to two uh, their uh, two universities. Uh, the University of Ottawa, which is more downtown uh, itself. But um, the other city is the other university is Carleton University. Um, Carleton is probably closer to my to the suburban end of where I live. Uh, but Carleton actually has a major program called uh, it's uh, short for PAPM, but uh, it starts I believe it stands for uh, Policy Analysis and uh, Policy Management. And uh, actually, two of former graduates of that program are actual elected members of uh, the Canadian Parliament for the Conservative Party of Canada. Okay, that that is interesting because I do believe I've heard of Carleton before, but I didn't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So that that brings it all together for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then of course the other thing I think with DC now is it's finally got all four major sports in America, which for a long time it didn't, but now... For a long time, it was mainly known for the Redskins, and now they're the they're the Commanders now. I guess is what they're called. I, I have to get used yeah. to that. Um, and then the basketball team, the Wizards, they used to be the Bullets, but they changed their name from that because they didn't think it was good to be called the Bullets. And uh, now they have the Nationals and they have the hockey team too. The um, Capitals. Capitals. So this is, it's really weird. That really puts them in another level of Metro, having all four national sports. Ottawa does actually have sports, um, so just, uh, but uh, probably on the lower tier. So uh, we have our Ottawa Senators hockey. We have the Ottawa Senators hockey team, which is the NHL team. Uh, We actually have, um, we actually just, got a few years ago back in 2019 we actually got a, a basketball team the ottawa blackjacks and Ooh, no whoa. not not a card not the, not like the vegas not like the not the game blackjack but a black and the rabbit actually oh so okay. the like the cool. rabbit, which is actually really kind of creative um we have a soccer team that uh, we actually created a canadian premier league team uh league and it's called atletico ottawa and its sister club is actually uh, Atletico Madrid, and based in uh, Spain, La Liga. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not much of a football fan, uh, in the, like American football, NFL. But we do actually have something compar- comparable uh, called the CFL, which is the, the Canadian Football League. And Ottawa actually has a team called the Red Blacks. Now, yes, the name kind of, I'll be honest, is un- is I- not ideal, but. 
our previous team was actually called the Ottawa Rough Riders, but Saskatchewan uh, took that. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, it seems like they that Ottawa is participating in all the major sports in Canada too. So there's a lot of similar mm-hmm. things I think going on between both cities, but that I mean they are both capitals, so you would expect right. That. Um, now as a far the one thing I think that um. Well, there's several things that set D.C. apart from any other city in America, but one of the big things that sets D.C. apart, and I'm, I'm curious to know how much of this occurred in Ottawa, too, but D.C. was a was a very centrally planned city um, from the jump. Okay. You know, it, there was a grant made for this amount of land, and it was going to look like this, and Thomas Jefferson, who was the third president at the time, even played a very personal role in designing it um i don't know if you were aware of that prior to our combo but no i was never actually okay well it's really funny actually the story behind that so they hired a guy to do it who was from france who was a uh sort of a landscape architect type and jefferson also had studied a lot about that so there's lots of rumors that like Jefferson and this guy left all these symbols in there from the Freemasons. And <laughs> that's sort of where the, the impetus with the movie A National Treasure kind of was born out of that. Because, like, there there are all these jokes about, like, uh, like oh, the rotunda's facing this way, so therefore it was the Freemasons. Like, <laughs> No, <laughs> we do not have any of that and other than um in ottawa i would say we do have something called the national the ncc the national capital commission that kind of deals sometimes with uh, federal matters but in terms of the city planning itself ottawa is its own city but it's actually under the jur- uh, but uh, provincially it's actually uh it's more provincial they manage things like the the municipalities fall under the provinces in Canada's uh, constitution, actually. So the feds maybe have some small part, like some small part, but it doesn't, they don't play much of a day to day, except for like the affairs of, uh, except for the area of Parliament Hill, which is basically the equivalent of the Capitol Hill for the states. Yeah, and that's actually the next thing I was going to roll into, and this is probably the largest difference, is the actual land that Washington, D.C. sets in is considered federal property and not a part of any state. So um, there are, like, rules and laws that people have to abide by living in D.C. that are not state laws. And actually, that's why you see people drive around with these bumper stickers from Washington, D.C. that say taxation without representation because you don't, if you live in D.C., you don't get a vote in Congress or the Senate or, the, or Congress or Senate. Which I think is kind of weird, actually. Um, it's extremely weird. It's very bizarre. And it's extremely bizarre when you think about, I don't know if you've seen what it looks like on the map, but if you, have you ever noticed how it takes a chunk out of Maryland but not out of Virginia? Hmm. No, I haven't. I can't say I haven't, actually. No, so it, it, it was originally supposed to be a, a square that was evenly taken out of Virginia and Maryland. But what they mm-hmm. did 
was Virginia somehow, and I still don't understand how this works because they were the larger state by far. They massaged it so that their side never became part of the federal lands in D.C. Mm. So there's a big, there's two big cities on the other side, Arlington and Alexandria, but they are mm -hmm. part of Virginia. And it's really weird, like stuff you would associate with D.C., is a lot of it's in Arlington. So, like for instance, Dulles Airport's and is on the outskirts of Arlington, or uh, the the FBI headquarters is in Arlington. So, <laughs> and the National Cemetery's in Arlington too. So, so Virginia's milking completely milking that. They're getting the taxes and having that stuff there. <laughs> Yeah, I know. They're getting Washington, based on that, like, Washingtonians are getting a raw deal out of it. Kind of, yeah. They're getting a really, really raw deal out of it. So, oh, yeah, that's the other – that that is – I, you know, uh, so there's been a lot of fighting and wrangling in Congress, and it always comes up periodically about – you know, I think most people are, in America are finally starting to say they think Puerto Rico should be the 51st state. But there's been people before that have argued for D.C. becoming the 51st state. So, Why don't just have yeah. them both be the, or you know what, uh, have them both be the 51st and 52nd? People don't like change. No, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what the argument is now why they refuse to add any more states, you know. Um. <laughs> I could think of from a GOP perspective, wouldn't it make more sense to say, to, to because this thing, Washington's probably going to vote overwhelmingly Democrat. Oh yeah, right? now that's what the main argument is: is that they it would be like adding two blue states. That, but that maybe though, here's the thing: maybe Puerto Rico. I'm not sure the political climate, but maybe Puerto Rico might have like a bit more, might be a bit more purple, maybe more geared towards blue, but. Maybe a certain I think over time, Puerto Rico has more of a chance of becoming purple. That being mm -hmm. said, I, I, it's still, it's a crazy thing. I, I mean, I personally, I believe if you're a part of our government, if you have to be subject to our government, then you should have full representation within it. That's my personal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, and I get that. You know, one thing I would actually like to do, I was actually this idea I had before, but if you do for Washington, here's an idea. There's, what, 100 senators, and under the U.S. Constitution, uh, the vice president has the time vote, right? Right. Why not actually have it so Washington gets the state of, have it be the state of Washington, just gets one senator, so that there is 101 senators elected? Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing they could do. But again, yeah. again, you know, this kind of stuff requires a two-thirds majority with a three-quarters ratification. So odds are pretty low it's ever going to move. Oh, yeah. Uh, does it actually, like, quick question, do you actually need both of them or just one or the other? Uh, you need both if you amend the Constitution, which this mm. will require. So, yeah, you um, would actually need both in this oh, yeah. particular instance. So like mm -hmm. minor laws, how they get around doing that for like minor laws that are federal laws. And that's sort of where this is going way on a tangent, but this is where sort of like this and what, how the constitution is interpreted kind of comes from because it says mm -hmm. that there are the enumerated powers clause says whatever 
isn't laid out in the Constitution is divvy to the states. And then there's this other one called the Elastic Clause that kind of means like some every day-to-day -day running things of the federal government shouldn't need constitutional amendment status to happen. So, mm -hmm. but it really, that's when you get in this big gray area of what you interpret that to mean, right? So right. adding another state, you know, that kind of feels like something that should be, you know, the larger vote rather than the smaller one, you know? Yeah, it's actually funny. Speaking of when you talk about the Constitution, um, our, uh, amending our Constitution is actually, hard. I think it would be much harder than the state's. Because for us, we actually we actually had this thing back in '92 called I think it's either Charlottetown or Meech Lake Accords, where the former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney tried to amend the Constitution. So what happened is now, uh, so he failed so spectacularly. He took the imagine uh, the uh, conservative uh, progressive conservative party who has been who has been a part a picture of Canadian politics from. 1867 to 93, and that party went from 154 seats uh, in Canada to guess how much? None. Oh, actually, not bad, actually, too. Ha! Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you really got to be careful what battles you're going to pick. You know, I think, I do think that they could muster the support uh, there's been a lot of talk with the Convention of States movement, which basically if three quarters of the states get together, they can call a convention to change the Constitution. They don't need Congress to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think they could get enough behind that for term limits. But and I don't know what else they could get. Actually, no, what I would do is, uh, speaking of term limits, I would actually uh, have the change it so that the president can only serve one six-year term. That'd be an interesting change. I don't. Yeah, because I. <laughs> no, and but it's like what the senators they they serve what six-year terms, right? Yeah, so, the sen senators uh, senators have have the longer terms. Congress people yeah. have two years. I mean, we'll probably. <laughs> We'll probably have an election in another year or two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so we'll I'll sort of meander it back to the original okay. topic in in my good my good manner of steering the ship home. But yeah, so the big thing I think that is hard for uh, outsiders to understand is basically there's like seven hundred thousand people within the actual city limits of DC that don't mm -hmm. have representation in federal government, yet are subjected basically to federal government rules a lot. <laughs> so that's uh, that's wild. And I, so from my understanding, you're saying most of Ottawa is under Toronto law. Then. No, so I do got to correct things, right? So Toronto is the capital of Ontario, right? Oh, I mean, um, Ontario so, law, yeah. Right, yes. Yeah, so Ottawa is subject to, uh, for the most part, 90% of the laws are mainly uh, under the provincial law, provincial jurisdiction, but there are areas uh, in our section, in our constitution under section 92 that are outli that outline the uh, responsibilities of the federal government and the provincial government. So for example, uh, criminal law uh, is actually under federal, is under the feds. So oh, criminal law is, 
yeah, so I think it's easier. So someone in Burnaby, BC will have the same criminal law as someone in St. John, Newfoundland. So that's like going from California to Florida, basically. Yeah, I don't think that that would ever happen here. <laughs> that would be completely different to what America's like. I mean, they yeah. tell you, you got to you gotta read up on the rules of what state you're going to because <laughs> you could get caught. Caught doing no. something you didn't think was illegal. Believe it or not, you could like still get uh, illegal. There are illegal things you could do. Like, uh, for example, uh, in Quebec, believe it or not, you know how in 2019, uh, can, uh, Canada legalized cannabis nationally, right? Right, yeah. So, believe it or not, certain edibles, like um, if you try to buy pop brownies in Quebec, that's actually illegal. Why to have their fun little their fun little caveat there to arrest somebody for? Yeah, but yeah, but it, like I said, if you live in Gatineau, you're just gonna drive to Ottawa, and no cop is gonna really. I mean, unless you're an idiot, no cop is gonna just look at like every facet of your car, right? You can literally just it's like putting in the SUV your groceries, and then you just head back home. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so more on the sort of so I guess now that we touched on sort of the um, basic, I don't know, demographics or stats of the places. We mm-hmm. haven't really covered the 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 breakdown uh, completely demographically, but sort of just the structure of the cities. I thought we would get more into the the cultural side of things. And sure, unfortunately, despite all the you know, there's people who talk about there's a lot of good things about DC. I don't want to come in here and totally trash DC. Although, you know, there's always people out in my neck of the woods out in Kentucky always like to make the jokes about we don't need to build a wall around uh, uh, by Mexico. We need to build one around DC. Uh, <laughs> but um, the one of the unfortunate aspects of DC is it's really received a bad label for crime. They, there are certain sections of DC that are very, very poor and been very bad for a long period of time. And I was, I was curious, you know, that actually seems to happen in a lot of our capitals in the U S and uh, I, I don't think that really happens in Canada. So Canada. So here's the thing. Ottawa is a, Pretty, I would say that it's a pretty safe city um, itself. And like, I was looking up some of the travel. Like, it's a very safe city. Like, I, I mean, I live in the suburban end of Ottawa, but most general uh, crimes are more uh, in the probably the other side of the city. I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, but I think if we're talking the major cities, I think because there's such a economic hub it's going to cause city things to be more expensive, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to lead to more crime, right? The more expensive the city, people are going to see more crime as people are trying to find ways of surviving. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it does. Uh, so maybe that it, I, I've always wondered, though, if there's just something about, this is sort of like a crazy thing with me, but like, I, it seems, my theory is, this is my theory, is that, mm-hmm. It takes so much low, so much sort of like low skill labor to prop up these capitals that you're always going to have an inherent inequality and that's going to cause more crime. 
Because like even like for instance, Frankfurt, our capital in Kentucky's only got like twenty thousand people, but it's got like a higher than average crime rate in our state, you know. And I and like you know somebody there, one of the homeless people stabbed a homeless shelter worker, you know. Oh my I'm god! I'm just like I'm like you know that's something that would happen there, right? <laughs> you know, because they they're more likely to have a homeless shelter there. But they're more likely to have homeless people, you know. So, so I—that's I, my theory about it. I, I'm, I'm curious what your opinion is on my theory about that. Is that there's just an inherent inequality in capital cities? I think so. I mean, here's the thing: um, people. So it's not our capital, but Toronto. You're seeing more people or immigrants coming to Toronto, uh, and you're seeing higher immigration rates, right? So, because they think it's a hub of Canada, but at the same time, they're going to learn quickly that it has a huge affordability crisis. And if you really want to tackle crime, you need to tackle that affordability crisis. Right. Yeah, so that's sort of my theory on that, and I think that's why you see such high levels of crime in D.C., and I... It's really unfortunate because there are a lot of good things about D.C., but it, I don't think you'll ever shake that problem, you know, unless there's some. And the thing is with D.C. too is it's it literally is limited on land, so yeah, um, they can't go anywhere. Um, so and the thing uh, is, I actually, just pulled up. I actually just pulled up the numbers. Like, I could only find the, the uh, just quickly the number for homicides in Ottawa was about. Yeah. Like not even 20, maybe like 10, uh, 10 <laughs> homicide victims. Oh, man, that's nothing compared to DC. <laughs> yeah. If we applied um, the homicide, um, so uh, if we apply the homicide rate uh, per 100,000, um, it only gives me up to 2020. Uh, let's see, where's Ottawa? It's like 2.04. Right. Yeah. I guess if we're, if, if we're going to play that game, I can see if I can find it. For DC, but it, DC used to be in like the top ten in America. I think it's gone down a little, not because it's gotten much better, but because some other places have gotten worse. <laughs> and I think as we see more cities uh, going with greater income inequality, you're going to see more crime. Yeah, here we go. Murder rate. Uh, okay, so it's saying. Per 1,000, it's 0.29, so that would put it at that put it at 29 per 100,000. Holy crap! <laughs> wow, that that is pretty bad. Oh, it's bad. Like I said, it used to be top 10. It's I don't think it is anymore. Mm -hmm. I know, um, like traditionally, when you talk about the absolute worst, now it's it's usually some. St. Louis, Detroit, or Memphis now, but it's yeah, up there. Actually, I think, well, I mean, also, too, like, getting a gun in Canada is, I mean, I, mean, I think this is safe to say, it's easier getting a gun in the States than it is getting a gun in the U.S., so in Canada, so yeah. it's so much easier yeah. in the States than here. Yeah, although a lot of times, you know, uh, Unfortunately, a lot of those crimes, because they end up becoming usually gang-related, they're not even legal guns anyway. But that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to touch that. Like, 
we I don't think I've even come close to encountering anything like that in Ottawa. Like Yeah, I, I wouldn't say you would, you know, again, ten per or how many did you say? You said two per hundred thousand. Yeah, you probably don't see that very often. No, like, <laughs> or even like I even mean gangs and stuff. Yeah. Like when we heard of gangs, it was like, oh, this is something we saw on the TV, or like we heard of the like I heard of the Crips and Blood from South Park. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there are gangs in DC. There's gangs in a lot of major cities. So, uh, I guess the other thing I was going to talk about. So there there is an inherent. Uh, you were talking about inequality before. So. The sort of okay. southeastern side to DC, and this is really unfortunate. The like one of the absolute worst spots is next to the major naval base. Uh, it's called Anacosta. But okay. then the, the contrast to that is on the northwest side is where American University, Georgetown, and George Washington are. And you, okay. I mean, that's where the Obamas used to live up that way. And you can just see, like, you know, there's people there, boatloads of money, right? And you know, again, that's like I said, you, for me, what it is, you just got to think about like a congressperson makes that much money. But then you got to think about all the people under a congressperson that mm-hmm. prop them up and how many little menial jobs there are under a congressperson. Right. And right. I think that's where the inequality comes in there. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, our, politi- uh, our politicians, so... Uh, Justin, for example, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau gets his own house, but yeah, I mean, he's rich enough, uh, his dad, so he, he he's a trust fund kid, so he doesn't need to worry about money beforehand. Other politicians, um, like uh, some, we've had doctors, I mean, even a few years ago, we actually had a, <laughs> uh, we actually had a bartender got elected uh, to Parliament. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, no, I can speak. I can speak great things. Uh, I got to know her a bit, but she was a really good representative. But she, but like, yeah, you get, you make what one hundred and eighty. At the, it's between one. It's currently one eighty, but I think the time is more like one sixty, one one hundred seventy thousand. But uh, they usually just get like apartments and they get that subsidized. For example, yeah, yeah. Uh, except yeah. for the leader of the opposition, who's the leader of the second largest party. Uh, they actually got a place called Stormway. Oh, interesting. Stone, yeah. So, yeah, they make about 250,000 Canadian. Um, Ottawa's GDP is about 41,000 American. Sorry, 45,000 American, actually. Oh, per capita income? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's... There are areas, like if we're talking uh, Westboro, which is really rich, um, Westboro is really rich, and then uh, there's certain parts of uh, the city, I forget where, um, but um, it's, I know it's an M, I, th- I think it starts with like an M, it's not Manatech, um, Rivers, not Riverside. I'm just checking right now with my sources right now. Uh, oh, oh Rockland, yeah. Rockland. That's like um, that's where if, uh, the Obama, if Obama, that's where the Obamas of Canada would probably live. Yeah. Are you are you ready for the disparity in DC? Yeah, I'm ready whenever you are. Okay, so so in 2017, the median household income in DC was 77,000, but at the yeah. same time, 19% of the residents were below the poverty line. 
Go back to the poverty line and, and save. Uh, it's like it's like 40, 40k. Ooh. <laughs> I used to I, I used to make under 40k a year and uh, it sucked. It absolutely sucked. So I don't know how they raise. I don't know how you raise a family under uh, 40k. So you can imagine the disparity there that creates that average to be that high. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like, yeah, with current, especially with like current affairs, it's going to make things even harder. Yeah. So anyway, that's just what I'm pointing out. There's there's a quite a quite a disparity. Uh, as for uh, I guess I guess I will I will do the full. I will get the other demographic comparison out of the way. DC is forty percent white, forty percent black. 11% Hispanic and 5% Asian. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I actually have the demographic break. So with Ottawa's demographic breakdown, it's actually about 69, 70% white uh, with okay. about 7% black. Um, I'll give you a more, uh, I'll give you a more breakdown. Um, so obviously, uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, 8%, sorry, it's sorry, not 8% black, right? It's 5% black. Right. Right. And yeah, so the rate, yeah, so it's, uh, it's not the word. It's like, let's see, so it's, yeah, so we're looking also about, but the thing is, is that, yes, it's uh, such a huge majority, but you, you never walk, you, you never go around to Ottawa and just, just the only white people. You're guaranteed to see black people, uh, Arab, South Asian, Southeast Asian, for example. Well, uh, this is really interesting. Uh, DC is actually its black population is dropping, and its its, it's Hispanic and white population is growing. Hmm. That's that is not a very common demographic trend in America. Uh, yeah, in 1970, it reached its peak black uh, population at 70%. Now it's down to Ooh. 40. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's wild. That is really wild. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess it's just getting so expensive to live in DC that. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? And the thing is, is that, like, I mean, right now, the numbers I gave you were from uh, 2020 uh, mm -hmm. were from but if we're looking at this but it's I'm just checking right now the Ottawa census population from uh, using statistics Canada because we actually just had a recent census actually mm. yeah so obviously and if you ever want I can send you the data uh, uh, yeah and I can send you the data, but for looking at this, believe it or not, um, we're looking at like, we're barely looking, we have a decently uh, sized, um, we have a decently sized uh, indigenous population. Uh, so the indigenous uh, peoples of the area would come, I believe are the Algonquin people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's not, actually, there's not many of them left, of course, in DC, but when I was in Wisconsin as a kid, there were still, still some indigenous people. Yeah. 
cool. And uh, speaking of which, that was actually one of the schools, uh, the colleges is actually called uh, Algonquin College. Ah, there you go. So, which yeah. I actually attended. Well, there you go. Now we've learned it all. We can we can end it right. Here. I'm kidding. So uh, <laughs> I guess the other thing I wanted to dive in a little bit with culture. Uh, so the um, in a way, DC has always kind of had an identity crisis about whether it's northern or southern, because uh, it, it is. is on the line of Maryland and Virginia, of course. So, uh, and the really funny part about it is right. So when we had the Civil War, Virginia seceded, right? So, and they put their cap, the South put their capital in Richmond, Virginia. So literally DC was staring down the guns the whole war. Wow. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't even really happen in Ottawa. Ottawa is a very, um, people. Okay, so I think Americans would think Ottawa is a, is a very uh, left-wing city. It, mm-hmm. It's actually not. Ottawa is a, and to be fair, it's more of a center. I think it's more center, center mm-hmm. left, maybe right. center right. A very populist right could um, may struggle to do, would probably struggle to do or to do poorly in Ottawa. Actually, mm-hmm. right, so um, our downtown wards, for example are where we see more of the really left wing. Um, for example, in uh, one of the writings, uh, which is Ottawa Center, actually elected probably an unavowed leftist. Like, I'm talking this guy would make, would probably make AOC from the squad look like, look conservative. Well, DC kind of has a reputation in the in the actual DC, you know, they, they did paint a big BLM thing in the middle of the street, so. <laughs> So here's the thing, right? It's our leaders have the are experts in saying everything but doing nothing. Like right. we had Trudeau, we 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 had Trudeau literally taking the on uh, uh, during when we had the George Floyd protest in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So and then where people were like, and we even had some leaders saying, "Why? Why are you doing this? You're the prime minister." <laughs> And like here's the thing, we have issues in I think with policing in Canada itself, but like definitely get more amplified as from the states as well. Right. So I guess uh, that's the other cultural thing I would like to tap into a little bit. DC yeah. does have a reputation of just there being protests all the time. Like when I went there on the tour of fifth grade, right? They're like, mm-hmm. this is the protest area that we have gated off by the White House here. Like, there was people there, like, every day protesting, right? So it's not even just, like, you know, yeah, we have big ones, too, you know, and there was the Jan 6 thing, and then there was that BLM one that was pretty big recently, right? Uh, right. But it, it it happens all the time. Is that a thing in Ottawa, or is that more of a state? No, that's actually a really good thing. That's a, no, that's actually a good question. I was... Uh... I was actually taking a walk downtown, actually, and I ran by Parliament. We do have a so the way our department is designed is there's actually an outdoor area of grass, like an outdoors like grass area. Sometimes you'll see people. We have like free yoga classes on the hill, um, mm-hmm. but when people protest, they are usually there. Um, mm-hmm. We do have I I mean minus the convoy. I can't really say the convoy was a huge aberration of what Ottawa really is. It's, yeah, so 
I, I mean, I did see a few. Uh, we had one, like a few anti-communist party of China protests. Sometimes I've seen some uh, protesting about uh, Armenian uh, genocide. Um, nice. We yeah, we, we've had that here too. Uh, some, but usually for the most part, Ottawa, we use the protesters. We welcome protests in the city. It's just, we we hate like the black, the truckers, the convoy. We hate, that's not what we want. Like, well, and that's why I wanted to touch on that subject a little bit since I had you on sure. here, because I think it really is more inherently part of the DC culture that mm -hmm. there's just going to be wild protesters sometimes. Like people, the funny thing about the January 6th thing, well, not funny. I mean, I don't think it's funny, but the irony of the January 6th thing was, of course, that that is not the first time anything like that's ever happened. You know, there was a big protest after the Civil War when Union troops felt like they didn't get paid. And then there was oh. another one after World War One as well. So, you know, um, I don't know. I just think it's more in the culture that there's more aggressive political people in D.C. than perhaps in Ottawa. Honestly, I think that's really it. Like most people in Ottawa just want to live their life, go to work, put food on the table, go out with friends and hang out with family and live their life. I, and but I mean, right now we still have we still vote. Um, we actually just had our uh, provincial or state election uh, as well, and we had our uh, we actually have our upcoming uh, municipal elections coming up in October. Oh, yeah. So do you do you think that there will ha, has it felt like something has changed now in the psyche there in Ottawa since the the convoy thing, or do you think uh, that'll just fade away into the past? So like honestly, some of the, the people, I mean, I mean, I actually saw a guy with an Alberta and a "Don't Tread on Me" flag. <laughs> and, yeah, and, I, and I'm, as I'm walking by, as I'm just sitting enjoying my time outside, and it's like. We usually don't get these type of people. Um, so certainly, I think uh, some Canadians are actually really, and no offense to American people. I mean, right. we, we want a good relationship. You guys are our neighbors. But like, we don't like some of the politics that comes out of your place. You guys have an overwhelming influence, actually, um, in our politics. So uh, we actually have, so anything that goes wrong, like if, uh, something like I've heard this phrase, and maybe you've heard it a lot of times. When America sneezes, Canada catches the cold. <laughs> yeah, I would say it seems like, in particularly over the last, I, I don't know, at least since I've been been paying attention to politics, it really feels like in the last ten years that our politics have really started to sort of like dominate and pervade. Not only into Canada, I'd say I'd say into the UK a lot too now. Maybe that's why, because here's the thing, you guys, um, like the Cambridge Analytica scandal, I right, think they right. used, uh, during Brexit, they used Cambridge Analytica. Right, it was a similar, I mean, the parallels between the the Brexit movement and sort of the, the I don't, I'm even a little hesitant to just call it the Trump movement, because I think it sort of started more with the Tea Party movement prior to that, okay. right? Yeah, I think there's so many parallels there, and I think it, it runs through the convoy thing as well. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really kind of weird for me living in middle America, 
Because, like, you know, for me, I just see this stuff as, like, everyday stuff I see. There's Joe over there that thinks it's thinks that DC is part of a, glo- a globalist agenda, right? But, like, you know, I want to talk to you all in Canada, especially you and Audley now having experienced, like, those kind of protesters on your doorstep, like, you're like, where in the hell did these people come from, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh, believe it or not, actually. So, like, uh, we recently it was uh, announced two of the organizers. Um, one of them is Tamara Lynch, and I think the other is Pat King, who are, who are the original convoy organizers. Um, so I think they, the thing is uh, some of the citizens of Ottawa are kind of upset that they keep uh, getting bail, but they keep right. screwing it up. Like, uh, at this point, we're basically pulling a you might as well put money on how long it takes for them to screw up and go back to jail. Right. Yeah. 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 And that is generally what happens with any of those kind of groups. What, uh, you know, like for instance, um, you know, back in the day, a lot of people were upset with and scared of that Richard Spencer character. Right. You know, and Mm -hmm. after a while he just started doing stupid stuff and got arrested. You know, that's generally what happens, you know, and it happens with both sides of that extreme. You know, I've seen it happen with organizers of, you know, sort of extreme left wing movements as well. You know, the thing is, our left is, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's actually quite neutered. Our left is really neutered. Um, Like, yeah. I, no, I haven't really seen extreme. That's what's so weird about sort of that rhetoric is, no, I've never really seen, like, I've not seen people like like Antifa is here or something over there, you know? <laughs> no, we don't really have, and this is the thing, we don't really have many of them actually in Ottawa, too. I think mm-hmm. Toronto is probably more of a rice area for that mm-hmm. stuff, because I think Toronto is more, like, in, I don't want to, really use the word much, but I'm going to. Toronto seems to be more woke kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. I do agree with that. I think Toronto, well, I'll, honestly, I think think Toronto and the middle part of Ontario now is becoming almost entirely influenced by our politics. It just seems like it's starting to become a carbon copy of the other side of the lake. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, even, yeah, like, I mean, Windsor's probably got but the funny thing is, is that Windsor doesn't seem to have gone a bunch of it. Yeah. And Windsor is literally right on the, like, we're talking the Windsor-Detroit uh, border. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, yeah, I just thought that, I think that's really interesting, and it'll be interesting going forward uh, for your city, you know, whether or not it becomes sort of a, I don't even know how to describe it. A, here, D.C. really does feel like, front and center stage, you're going to see the political fights even play out in the streets. You know, like... No, I don't... The thing is, is that I don't think it does that. Like, I think many, uh, most of our leaders are, even most of the people are more, they're less likely to, that's not really much likely to succeed itself. Like, I mean, like, you might have, like, for example, new Democrats who are, frankly speaking, the AOCs of Canada. For example, right. who like maybe if they see someone on the floor, they're not gonna they're not gonna advocate like beating up a Trump supporter kind of thing. Like right. maybe socially cancel, like stay, but like or isolate or stay away from them. But they're not. We're not advocating for like get the conservatives. We're not. We don't. Right. I, 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 that point. 
Yeah, I do think Canada's a bit more tame in that regard. It is it is kind of weird, though. Like The weird thing I, for me when I think about D.C., though, is that, you know, like, people want to... The thing I don't like, I guess, is that people want to act like this is a modern thing that that happens there now. And really, I could argue it's been happening since the inception of D.C. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, 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 have, there's been riots all the time over stuff. You guys have, like, I think the, I mean, okay, the wheel, I'm not going to use the, the Stanley Cup riots, but, because uh, yeah. that doesn't really matter. But the biggest major riot, I think, in our history was, ironically enough, in Winnipeg. Right. Right, which yeah. is like the biggest for labor unions, actually. Yeah, labor, like, that's, yeah, that used to be where riots have made from a lot back in the day was the labor unit, unions and their fights with the owners. Um, I think, I also think uh, our, the fact that our, our style of governance versus you, yeah, the state, uh, DCs is kind of, kind of insulated a bit more because you, our government is... Uh, is a first past the post system where the the leader has more power. Like honestly, I think this and they maybe Americans aren't gonna like this, but if uh, Trump had that kind of power that Trudeau has, for example, can you imagine Trump or let's say Paul Ryan, for example, kicking out Marjorie Taylor Greene? Or yeah. like, you know, or, and the thing is, he doesn't need caucus approval. He, he can just do it. You can say, Laura, if you don't vote in favor of this pro-choice legislation, you're, you're getting right. kicked out of the party. Yeah, that is something that's been interesting for me to watch. Uh, I I would say y'all are a little more tame about it, but, you know, in the UK now, it's really starting to become a thing with that. You know, watching the conservatives axe their leaders after a year and a half all the time is wild. You know, that would not oh. happen here. <laughs> actually, funny enough, actually, funny enough, it did, actually. Uh, so we actually, the way our leaders got hacked, and we actually had that ironically not for our government, but for the opposition Tories. Um, right. So we had, uh, for example, the uh, we had one. Uh, so after Stephen Harper stepped down because he lost the election, we mm -hmm. had the uh, they elected Andrew Scheer, who is frankly speaking, uh, let's just say that even a, a piece of toast has more charisma than this guy. <laughs> and then he had a bunch of scandals like he fell into a trap trudeau basically outsmart he trudeau basically dunked on this idiot basically by making mm -hmm. him look by during an election debate talk bring up abortion and yeah the tories ran up the score and won the popular vote but they only won about a few seats extra mm -hmm. maybe like 20 seats more so then what happened is he got um they found some dirt that he was using money from the party uh, to help fund his kids' private schools. Oh. And so they used it. They used that as an excuse to basically force him out. That's, and then, that's and then, so this was uh, he was out by we had an election in 2019. He was out by mid 2020. And here's what. And then, ironically enough, uh, we have Aaron O'Toole who is probably more of a moderate uh, conservative, um, probably a bit more pro-choice, um, pro-LGBTQ rights, for example. He, ra he, ran a, he ran against Trudeau in an election, and um, he lost, uh, I think, like one or two seats, for example. But um, many of the people hated how they thought he talked about both sides of his mouth. Ah, and yes. so what happened is, 
he got um, he actually got a caucus uh, approach. I, I think that's how you say it. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. beer hall. You remember that Hitler's beer hall push? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was kind of something like that. Basically, they got the caucus actually now has a power where uh, if uh, 35% of, I think it's like 15, 20% of MPs in the caucus uh, send a letter to the caucus chair, they hold the Yeah, that ballot. sounds exactly like what the UK conservatives do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, it was called through the Reform Act, ironically introduced by a more moderate conservative. Uh, to empower the backbenchers, but he, uh, so Aaron O'Toole got booted out as leader, and he couldn't even continue serving as interim leader. That's wild. No, uh, I mean, we have, of course, seen some shifts at the top of the parties before here, but nothing, uh, nothing quite that dramatic that quickly, you know. Uh, right. And it... I don't know what's right or wrong, you know, I mean, I think it's cool that y'all can do that, because on the converse side of that, you get things like here, where, you know, Mitch McConnell has been in leadership in the Republican Party since before I was born, you know? That's the thing, like, how does he, how does he keep staying in there? You know, like, they, people just don't, so, you know, he, his, he, he gets elected by the state of Kentucky, yeah. so... There's just people, I mean, and I don't know what it's like other places, but here, you know, people just are that, they they don't want change. They will they will just keep, like, you'll literally talk to somebody on the street here who's a, who's a mm-hmm. regular Kentucky Republican, and they will tell you, like, hundreds of things they hate about Mitch McConnell. But I guarantee you, they went in there and they checked that box last time, you know? <laughs> Oh my god! Like, I don't know. I just, I think there's like only one M- in our in Canada. There's only one MP who's been in office for as long as I've been born, longer than I've been born, actually. There, there are multiple people here. Um, I just use Mitch McConnell because it's the most glaring example. But you know, the ironic part. But what's actually sad is more Canadians know who Mitch McConnell is than any uh, Canadian senator. I, would, I, I bet they do. I bet they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, so like I said, I guess when uh, the thing I really do think of with Ottawa and it's sort of like with Canada in general versus with DC and America in general, is it really seems like emotions are less, are a little bit more temperate in certain ways. At least it doesn't, mm-hmm. you all may do certain legislation that I would consider more extreme on certain topics, but it's not right. like political disagreements spill out to the street the same way, you know? No, like, sure, we have, like, the people who are, like, loudly, like, oh, you know, like, on social media, you'll see, like, the, you know, hang Trudeau kind of thing, but honestly, no one really is like that in, no one is like that in real life. Most people are like, you know what, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Trudeau, but, you know, I don't hate him like that. Or well, I should say they're not. It's not like leadership of any serious movement there. Whereas, like here, I mean, you literally had Trump in front of a bunch of people calling an election illegitimate. Like, <laughs> so yeah, if he had, if 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 that happened itself, I guarantee. If a conservative politician tried to do that itself, I can guarantee you that they would be overwhelmingly defeated in office. Like, yeah, I'm talking, um, like, yeah. super majority. 
Yeah, uh, that that didn't happen here. Uh, you know, I um, it is. I think also it is sort of though. There is a general mistrust, I think, of DC, and I think that, unfortunately, I think that's because of the way DC was set up to be this like federal island in the middle of America, you know. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> whereas uh, I think it is kind of nice that. Ottawa's a little bit more integrated, so I think that does clamp down on that feeling a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, and what's actually interesting is, um, believe it or not, Ottawa actually would have been Ottawa proper itself would actually be was actually smaller, much smaller uh, if we're talking land size before beforehand, because uh, one of the former uh, premiers or state governors uh, actually did what's called an amalgamation. So, imagine if like. Uh, I know, like a Frankfurt, imagine uh, little counties and cities being forced by the governor to lump into one big city, for example. Oh, yeah. There's or, one before, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, it so, doesn't yeah, go anywhere know. here, though. <laughs> like Toronto had that. Um, Mississauga was his own town, and then now Mississauga is actually part of the greater Toronto area. Well, in Louisville, here, our largest city, they basically did that where they had it. They said it was kind of a vote, but they did. In some of the older suburbs, they did some tactics that I would consider were underhanded. But basically now all of the so we have city our our government layer cake typically goes cities, then counties, then states, then federal. And Louisville, our largest city it was starting to lose population. So what they did was they basically annexed anywhere in the county that could not fight to stand on its own. So you you got like little pockets of some cities that still retain their autonomy, but largely most of Louisville and Jefferson County are one entity now. Oh my God. Yeah. And you can imagine how, for me, the dirtiest tactic in that was um, actually much older. In the 30s, Louisville swallowed this city by its edge called Highland Park, where it was an old railroad town. And then in the 90s, the airport wanted to expand there, and they used eminent domain to seize the land and kicked everybody out of that neighborhood. And now the land's vacant. They never built anything. So, like, why not use that to help with regard? Why not use the land to help uh, build maybe affordable housing to help? I mean, or build some extra schools. You know, maybe, maybe it's just a so. Maybe it's the social democrat in me, but like, <laughs> you could make so much more. You could do so much more with the city, with the state, with those resources, and turn it into more of an economic hub. Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of the intention. And the airport did grow. It just didn't grow in that direction. And now it's a big uh, UPS hub. But still, I mean, the, the so that's sort of like the thing. You, I, I don't know how to describe it. In America, you see just, I think that's what's created this mistrust of larger government entities is you, you just see so much abuse of power mm-hmm. repeatedly. And that really makes you hard. I've I've said to people, you know, I, I made no mo no joke about it. I'm a, people who listen to my podcast know I'm a libertarian, but you know, right. I said to people, I wouldn't. Part of it really comes from 
like if I were in other countries, I don't think I would be as libertarian. You know, it's it's especially here where I've just seen so much abuse of power without control. And that's why there's I think fights spilling into the street in DC. And I think mm -hmm. it'll continue to happen for long. I don't see how they're ever going to slow down. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Like, here's the thing, at least in Ottawa, right? It's actually quite easy to talk to your MP. Right. I mean, okay, maybe if you're prime, if maybe if you live in, maybe for prime, if your MP and like even the prime minister is a member of parliament. Right. So it's easy to find, like I've, I've known events uh, that my member of parliament has thrown. Mm -hmm, right. I mean, I can go down, someone can go downtown, they could go to a pub and actually get to meet an MP. Some of them go to university club campuses, for example, uh, which I've seen. It's actually, they're quite approachable. And the thing is, is that yes, there's that polarization, there is, which I'm not going to lie, but it's actually not, it's actually quite, they're quite accessible. Yeah, and I mean, some people are approachable here too, but the, the issue is, is just with, in our Congress in particular, it's one representative for 735,000 people. So you, you can imagine, even if they're approachable, there's a lot of competing interests there. <laughs> in ours, it's actually um, 100, it's uh, usually about, I think it's like every 100,000. Um, there are special cases in terms of the uh, the territories. Um, like Yukon has a population of 35,000, but the land is really huge. But at the same time, you know, you can make the case, yes, they deserve a member of parliament. So Yukon right. has one. The, the three territories each have their own MP. Uh, PEI is actually the really big one. Um, the total population is 100 and, around 150,000, um, but PEI, uh, Prince Edward Island has four members of parliament. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so you see, that's a much more representative, you know. Yeah. And also, so, our elections, like, we don't really have the issue. Gerrymandering isn't as big of an issue in Canada as it is in the States because we have an independent body, Elections Canada, who, and the, the chief electoral officer and the deputy chief. Are not are the only citizens not allowed to vote? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think there's anywhere in the world that has quite the gerrymandering uh, things happen as we do. I, <laughs> I don't know. Is there is there any other country in the world that has gerrymandering like us? I, I'll go look it up. I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe there is a chance, but honestly, I don't really know. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's been a long discussion too. So I guess I just, I bring that back to the central theme is why I think DC sometimes it does feel like a very intense place. And I think it is because of a certain level of mistrust the rest of the country has for it. Uh, mm -hmm. but then you do, you do see other people. I mean, you see movies and things all the time where DC is, you know, celebrated and held up high. And um, it'll be interesting to see how we come back now after sort of this very populist revolt from both sides in the last four or five years against the I, institutions. Cause I, you know, we're still at the beginning of it. Cause like um, with, for instance, like it's a very stark contrast to me seeing like a, both a Biden and a Trump in comparison to like what Ronald Reagan 
was like with DC. Like Ronald Reagan called it like the shining city on the hill, right? <laughs> and I don't think Biden or Trump would ever say something like that. <laughs> Can Biden even remember DC? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, uh, and the thing is, Ottawa's a fun city. It's a good city. It's like, you could bring your kids and have a great time. You could come to school here. Like, funny enough, our tuition's probably, university's about 9,000 a year. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I know, but like, is nine grand a year, but you also have you have a lot of access to co-op, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even the Algonquin is maybe about maybe five thousand a year. Mm-hmm. So it's and the thing is, it, I think there's this misconception that Ottawa is this radical place. It's not, and it's a welcoming place. Um, even for example, LG, you could be part of the LGBTQ community. You could come and grab, like, I can, you could go to a restaurant, buy some, buy some food. No one's gonna care. No one's gonna care at all. Everyone's too busy living their own life and stuff too. And but you're not gonna see like anyone or like walking into like, hey, you know, Trudeau this, Trudeau that. No one does that in real life. That's just online laughers. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh... That's good. I was going to sort of, uh, I know it's my thing ding me that we had five minutes left on this recording, but I was going to ask you what you would sum up and say about Ottawa. And you, you pretty much hit. Is there anything else? If I had to say? Say? <laughs> yeah. Ottawa is okay. So Ottawa has uh, the main slogan of Ottawa during the convoy was make Ottawa boring again, <laughs> but it's not a boring place. You just have to look harder. Uh, do you love to skate? Do you, do you, do you or your kids or your family love to skate? Mm-hmm. No, I, it's, a, it's a general question I was asking. For example, oh, yeah. I like to, yeah, I like to skate. Do you know, for example, we have the largest uh, canal, the Widow Canal is actually 63 miles long. Oh, I didn't know that, no. And, and during the winter, it, we call it Winterlude, and we have like ice sculptures. You can rent your skate, you can rent some skates, go skate pick up some hot chocolate and beaver tails, which are pastries, not actual beaver tails. Uh, during Canada Day, there's a lot of uh, fireworks. Um, there's music events, sports. We're trying to build more of the culture. There are museums, and even the tours of Parliament are free. Um, you could, and uh, there's a lot of good local restaurants itself. Like, uh, come on down, um, come enjoy Ottawa. It's a really fun city. Winters kind of suck, but um, you'll have a great time. Yeah, and I guess imparting what I would say about DC is there is there is a lot of history there, a lot of culture there. You know, there are still good things to do, but I really would say you you have to pick your spots, and mm-hmm. you know. I just, I, I'm not even trying to be necessarily a Debbie Downer or a negative person or something, but I just, if you're going to go there and expect it to not have some of that element of hyper politicism, you're just, you're foolish in my opinion, <laughs> because <laughs> there will always be something going on there. And maybe that's just the way we settle politics in America, largely. In, yeah, and I, I think that's a screwed up thing. Like, you don't. <laughs> In Ottawa, no one, no one's gonna care about your politics. You can go an entire 
you could probably go an entire lifetime uh, without having to deal with uh, actual formal politics. Right. Yeah. Although we do have, uh, I think we have a, uh, the problem with Ottawa is that um, I think we have a sense of lack of vision, I think, in that all our leaders are kind of stuck in the mud um, more, I think, and I think that moderation is kind of a, causes our leaders to be very boring, bland, with no foresight to plan for the long term. I believe it or not, we just got light rail maybe a few years ago, and our transit system actually went to a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, I think that is the that is if if there's sort of you know so everybody understands sort of I think what they think the negative aspect is of the American Revolutionary. about just really boring turned out of the bureaucratic crank you know and mm -hmm. sometimes just really lacking a sort of vision you know we have a guy uh one of the mayor mayoral candidates uh is uh, i think what 80 years old mm, okay 80 yeah. man yeah <laughs> And, for, and they used to serve as mayor before, like they were in politics for as long as possible. <laughs> I bet yeah, he, so. I bet, he, I bet he uses the same speech. <laughs> probably. And he's probably the, he's probably going to lose big. Well, uh, hopefully uh, Ottawa can find a way to uh, maybe get a little bit more vision without having to get quite as revolutionary as America. You know what? Yeah, I, let's, honestly, I think that's probably the best fit. And, you know, I hope if you ever decide to visit Canada, you know, start off with Ottawa. There's even, um, it's a one and a half hour drive to Montreal. If you want to see another, if you want to see an even more culturally vibrant city too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot yeah. of great things about Montreal too. So, Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I, I guess that'll about sum us up here. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, it's been great having you on, uh, Moses. And uh, thank you. Know, you. I I I don't know. I I guess I would. I do think everybody has to see DC at least once. But mm -hmm. you you really you really ought to. You gotta check what's going on and. You don't want to come and get caught up in something like a Jan 6 or BLM riot while you're there. <laughs> no. Oh, no. no. I don't want to do that. Uh, what, what's the DCC? Uh, like, what, you know, Ottawa's biggest food thing is actually shawarma itself. So we probably have the best shawarma in all of Canada. And Montreal will probably try to compete with us, but uh, what, uh, what's the food scene in DC like? Uh, it's basically worldwide. I mean, it really is a good culinary multi melting pot. Um, ironically, back in the day, mm -hmm. a lot of the dishes were influenced by the French in the beginning because uh, Jefferson had a lot of ties to the French. So the D.C. has always been known of sort of having almost high high society culinary experiences that were sort of somewhat incompatible with the rest of America. Mm -hmm. So uh, it really is just like 
I, I would say it definitely feels like it's it's world class, like and, which is kind and, of part of also feeding in that mistrust from outsiders thing as well. Like, <laughs> we so, yeah, I mean that really is like if you think of like just the fanciest way that your favorite dish could be made, it's probably made that way in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, this has been, it's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> yeah. No, great. Come on in. You know, I love having people on. I love talking about things. So it's what we do yeah. here at the Know Your Place podcast. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop the record, everybody. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see what, we'll see what I concoct for my next episode. Bye. All right. <laughs> thanks for having me. No problem. All right. Check out the Know Your Place podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash knowyourplacepodcast, all one word, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowyourplacepodcast, all one word. And we will be coming soon to YouTube and iTunes and maybe another social media platform near you. Special thanks to my wife, Sarah, and Jay Graff for the riff. Bye.